0: Welcome to the Wrap It Up podcast, featuring award-winning trainer and sales strategist, Corey Angelin.
1: Welcome to the Wrap It Up podcast. I am your host, Corey Angelin. And first of all, for today's special episode, we're going to call it the Whoop It Up podcast, because if you have not heard of, heard of Whoop, and that's a cheesy joke, Mike, but we'll, we'll, we'll get into that later. Um, oh, I if you haven't heard of Whoop yet, honestly speaking, uh, they're taking the fitness technology industry by storm, because there's two things that I get juiced up about fitness and technology. And when you, when you marry both, um, I just get really pumped up. So, you know, to talk about Woop today and what, what it's all about, we are, we are pleased to have Michael Lombardi. Um, I know you head up strategic partnerships as well as performance for Woop, right?
0: That is correct.
1: Well, welcome, Michael. Um, you're calling today from what? The, the, the sunny uh, city of Boston, right?
0: Yeah, uh, very humid, but sunny.
1: It's right. We're in New York, and it's humid here too. You know, a couple, of, a couple of my friends turned me on to Whoop, and um, I, you know, I can't wait for you to share just some insights about it. And you guys are doing a, a lot of stuff on the tech side, obviously, and marrying fitness with it. Um, so yeah, give us your background. I think you're a fellow rower at a high level. I actually rode, um, in college, but I, I can't wait to hear your background and just then how you stumbled upon getting involved with Whoop.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh yeah, I played basketball and rode in high school in Philadelphia. I then rode uh, on some under 19 national teams for Team USA, went to Princeton, rode there for four years. And then from there, I was coaching at Princeton. And also, uh, the US national team rose out of Princeton. Uh, My wife was on the team uh, that went to the 2012 Olympics. And basically, from that point on, I let's say basically 2012 to 2018 ish. I've been working, uh, as an Olympic level rowing coach. So that's with athletes, both inside and outside of the training center. Um, so in the course of that, I traveled around the world, worked with all these amazing sports physios, uh, in New Zealand, Great Britain, uh, just around the world and, and picked up all these different things. So, uh, what I, I was learning is that you know with rowing so you you probably know this Corey and uh, endurance sports there's people just throw junk miles at it right and then yeah. people get hurt and they I just got to do the miles just got to build the base and not really care about technique how they're moving wonder why their ribs break why they hurt themselves why their career ends early so the whole movement was the whole change was focused on quality and knowing when we can push so it was you know back in 2014 like The measures, what I was using was, you know, an SPO2 monitor in the morning, looking at blood oxygenation. We had to basically, you know, guess on sleep, but, you know, urine color, mood, all these different things, um, would affect the training. So it wasn't just, we're going to do it because we're going to do it, which is effectively what whoop now does is you shouldn't just do it because it's on the schedule. Um, so the fact that I was doing this, and then when I moved to Boston for business school, uh, and whoop was literally in my backyard and I was introduced to it, I was like, this is amazing. Um, so upon graduation, uh, I knew the, the VP of performance, uh, from my Princeton days and, uh, now the rest is history.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. I I get, I'm seeing more and more people use the technology that you guys are using. First of all, as an aside, how frustrating is it always to be in a big box gym and watching someone do the rower? How many times do you want to just go over and teach them technique, which I restrain myself, but you're probably one of the only other people I know that could, probably relate to that
0: absolutely uh you just kind of you just um, unless i really think they're gonna hurt themselves (laughs) i which you know it it could happen but uh uh yeah you just kind of say oh i guess this is it
1: it is what it is I, i you know the other thing i always think about as a trainer pretty much my whole life is that we focus so much on exercise and that one hour, that one and a half hours you're in the gym. And, you know, I always find it interesting and, and fellow trainers, we know this, but it's, it's, it's what are your clients and members and athletes doing when they're not here? I've tried so hard to communicate the message of how important recovery is. And that's hard to message out to people because they view it, right, as like the hour they're in the gym, they want to bust their butt, but it's like, then they forget about everything else after that. I think what attracted me to what you guys are doing there. Um, is that, you know, three things specifically, you know, monitor sleep, measures recovery, build strain. I think those are the three key terms for me that sort of grab my attention. So I'd love to dive in a little bit about how you guys really focus on recovery, how important that is, obviously, but to your average person that just works out out there, they don't really think of it like that. We do, but communicating that message to people. So let's talk through some of those uh, key elements that WOOP really does and tracks, and then how important that is to, to everyone.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the, the pillar, the base pillar of whoop where all these metrics really sort of start from is sleep. So uh, we'll get to the recovery piece and, and how that plays a part in this. So um, like it was said before, the main uh, three pillars of whoop are strain recovery and sleep and within sleep, you know, people generally overestimate by about an hour of how much sleep they're getting. Not to mention they have zero idea what their quality of sleep is. So let's say you had a hard day training. Oh, I'm just going to get my eight hours, whatever. That, that, the, gen, the, the average person is going to get in bed at 10, wake up at 6. think they got eight hours of sleep. They probably slept like six hours and 15 minutes. So what we're showing, and it, you know, it's been third-party validated and it's highly accurate compared to a sleep lab, is we're staging that sleep with your heart rate data and we can tell you when you're awake, when you're in light sleep, REM sleep, slow-wave slow sleep. And then within WHOOP, we're, we're prompting you to uh, make changes to, to get better sleep. So we see your data. Uh, and within the app, it learns you what you need to do, what your circadian rhythm is. Uh, so we have both this sort of sleep need. So based on a, how hard your day was, how much sleep you've been getting, how much sleep you haven't been getting, we're telling you when, you when you should go to sleep versus... Based on how, how much you actually or how well you actually sleep, which is our sleep efficiency. So, within sleep is where we get this recovery score that you mentioned. So we pull your recovery score, which is a combination of your heart rate variability, resting heart rate, and the quality and quantity of your sleep, uh, into one metric, zero to one hundred percent. And effectively, it's color coded red, yellow, green by thirds. And it's just another data point for you to add to the rest of your day. So it doesn't mean that you can't train. It just means if I was going to do heavy back squats today, maybe I want to reconsider it because I have a 10% recovery and there's, I'm either just going to burn out more quickly or maybe I'm going to tweak something today. Uh, And everyone has their own, I didn't believe the data until I messed up story. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's definitely mine. It was whatever, 27, 28 say, ah, whatever, it's red recovery. I'm just going to still go do these heavy back squats. You tweak something and you like can't train right for a week. And you're like, okay, I get it. It The point of whoop and Will says this all the time, our CEO, your body's trying to tell you secrets that, that you don't know about it and you can't feel. So that's where heart rate variability is in our recovery score is so valuable.
1: Yeah, that, that's a great point. I'd love to talk a little bit about, so, so for me, and, and I suspect you are probably the same way, you know, I, I was fortunate many years ago, probably 10 years ago, as a director for Lifetime, uh, one of the, the largest chains, I guess, in America. And, you know, it's there where I first really realized the use of technology. And we were doing metabolic testing back then. I mean, now a lot of people do that. And they wear the telemetry strap. And But, but if you think about it, it's really geared for just when you're exercising, right? And mm-hmm. But it was an eye-opener for me because I would always be on the treadmill way above where my target heart rate zone should be. In terms of where I was training. And and it was an eye opener for me. And you know, I have 17 certifications like yourself, and I thought I knew everything. So until you really dig down and see the stats and actual measure, measurable uh, stats for yourself, it's really an eye opener. So when, because you kind of alluded to it, it, you know, you're training at a high level, before you got involved with what was one or two of your biggest eye openers for how you specifically train, and then obviously how that led into some of the people you, you work with.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. The, so I'll use both ends. So the one is, hey, I really want to, you, you have something in your mind, you go to sleep one night, you're like, I really want to do this right. You know, those, there are those days, you know, any, everybody has it. I'm so pumped to do this tomorrow. It's in your head. You wake up, you don't feel 100% like dead on. Or in this case, you feel okay mentally, but your body based on whoop data has other plans for you. So you go through it and what you find out is just because you think you can do something doesn't mean you can, and you, you tweak something. So what I learned from that situation is you need to, I immediately will just scale back what I'm doing or completely change it. So this is where a person ho- hopefully can understand their, the physiology, their physiology a little bit of, am I more of like a power or strength athlete or am I more of an endurance athlete? So in the days when I have low recoveries, I obviously I'm, a, I'm more of an endurance person. Uh, I'll either just do like, a, like an easier flush. I'll just have to change the, you know, you got to check the ego a little bit yeah. and say, look, I want to be able to keep training. That how, That's how we get fitter. Right. And that's how we stay healthy is, is being consistently available. And it's not always just bashing your head into the ground. So I'll make that change or I'll still do strength work and just take a ton of rest, you know, this can be a highly technical day. Let me put some tempo into the strength work as opposed to going so, super heavy. Uh, and then when it's time to call it quits, call it quits. And, that, and that's what that day is. The flip side of that is some days you wake up and you have high recovery and you don't totally feel it. Your head is not there. You're a little groggy. What I found that time is you just have to kind of get yourself in a rhythm of like, I got to get out. I got to just let me start. Let me put some on the clock for 10 minutes, get the blood flowing. And a lot of times you go and you just absolutely knock knock the hell out of that session yep. and you might PR on it and you're like, I didn't even think I was going to train today. Um so you kind of, it it again that's where you have to use it as another data point, not the end all be all of I can't do anything today because my my Whoop data. The other piece is uh, there is like how and you've you've alluded to it a tiny bit is how are all the other things you're doing in the day affecting your recovery score? So your recovery score doesn't just come from your sleep. It comes from How hard did you train? How hydrated were you the day before? What was the timing of that hydration? What was the timing of your fueling? What was the content? All that stuff plays a huge part in preparing your body for the next day. So um, the, the big thing is, yeah. We'll stop there. I'll let, you, I'll let you go now.
1: No, no, that's, that's <laughs> I'll just, good. I'll,
0: t- I'll talk nonstop for an hour.
1: No, that's good. So, so will <laughs> I. I'd rather you do the talking. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, in the old days, we used to teach trainers how to sell memberships, which, you know, I I've, I've love that whole aspect of the training because we don't go to school to learn how to sell. And wh- one of the things we used to tell trainers to tell potential members is, listen, the trainer, we're good because we take all the guesswork out. So, you know, when you have technology mixed in with that, we're really taking the guesswork out. So where do you see the fitness industry today in terms of trend lines for technology? Um, and then where do you guys see, you know, whoop fitting into that space?
0: So I think it's, it's a, the larger framework of fitness, you know, some people have already utilized heart rate, right. Um, you know, uh, Orange Theory has made an entire business off of you just got to push your heart rate. Yeah. Um, well, that's, I think you and I know that that's unsustainable. You can't go to things like that every single day. Um, and like, I'm a, I'm a big CrossFit guy, but if you follow CrossFit methodology to the T, that's three days of intensity, one day off. Yeah. People don't do that. People <laughs> just say, I, like you said, I'm going to the gym. So if you do seven days straight of intensity, eventually your body's going to break down. Um, so, you have people having this extra data point. And I think people are just becoming smarter, you know, because there is so much technology available individually, people are going to make decisions of, I still want to do this stuff. What are the other things I can do? So this is from the consumer side. I still want to train. What are the, all the other things I can do to manage my family life, manage work, manage, you know, nutrition, sleep, all this stuff so that I can get in some, some form of quality training. The flip side is for, for businesses or, you know, Uh, fitness franchises that want to get people in more times per week, using data like Whoop data is going to help a coach in a class or that has personal uh, clients push the right amount or pull back when they need to. In which case you have even more of this personalized touch on it so that that personal training is becoming even more personalized. And that person then goes from two times a week to five times a week or whatever the case is. Because they like being part of that environment, they like the personalized touch, and they're going to see such a better progression to fitness or whatever their goal is, because they're actually using data (laughs) aligned with the training plan. Yeah,
1: my favorite thing to talk about in the fitness world is like always teaching someone the why behind something. Right? It's kind of cheesy, but I'm a big Simon Sinek fan, and he always says people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And as a trainer, anyone that trains with me will tell you that. I'm big into explaining why we're doing something, and it's frustrating. Which is great when they're in front of you, right? But when they're not in front of you, and you know, you know, they drink every day and they're you know, partying, and yet they're going to come at 8 a.m. or 7 a.m. Yeah. train with you, like you know full well, like they might be wasting their money. I mean, there's only so much we can do. You need that rest and recovery. So, how has the transition been now that you have data to back up basically what you what you've already learned? When you're dealing with some prospective clients, and, and I know you deal with some high-level ones, which we'll talk about in a little bit, how has your sort of communication been now? I'm assuming it's been a lot easier.
0: Uh, yeah, <laughs> it is. Depending uh, on who you're dealing with. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, it depends how, let's say coachable anybody is, and, yeah. and willing to take feedback and not thinking that they know all the answers, because as much as we all think we know a lot of it, Continue to learn from everybody, and every you know, you might pick up one thing here, one thing there. That's why it's great to drop into lots of different places and learn things from other people and different coaches and different trainers. And you never know what's going to stick and really work with you. Uh, you know, I'm sure you've seen this through all your time. It's this you want people to do the same thing, but you can't use the same cue for everything. It just doesn't work. You, you need a 100 different cues to get someone to squat right. It just that's how it works. Um, but when you can say, the, let's say the drinking thing. Um, that's, that's the easiest one to push people. And it's like, Hey, look, you can do it. You do whatever you want, but you're just not, you're not going to get where you want to get if you're not committed and, and something myself and, and our VP of performance always says performance is a choice. And that comes with everything you do. So you can lie to me all you want. You can't lie to yourself. You can't lie to this data. So once people kind of accept that, um, you know, this whoop is telling them this, these accurate things about themselves and they, they start to get these data. Oh, this isn't good for me. Uh, and they, they start to lag behind. Let's just say in a a competitive group setting, it's very easy to see when people succeed or not, you know, and I'm just going to go right into golf here. You know, we've had such success in golf organically because Rory McIlroy you know one of the greatest golfers ever yep. um you know he's always near the top but the second you see he he really engages with the swoop strap all of a sudden he just starts winning quick like a lot more uh, regularly and, and then justin thomas and that just kind of okay maybe there's something to listening to this data and performing at a high level
1: yeah it's great once you get that one person having success it's great because that that's what i found and that, that's awesome. Advocate. So speaking of that, how did you get involved with the PGA? What a great strategic partnership that is. I will credit you since that's in your title. Mm. Um, so I hope Will's taking you, know, giving nice. you, giving think, you all the credit will. for that. No, <laughs> well, that's, okay. Honestly,
0: I think it's Will. Um, <laughs> it's it's definitely Will. So uh, the PGA piece, uh, again, happened kind of organically over the last probably 12 months where, you know, Rory grabbed this. Well, actually, it's um, it started with Scott Stallings um who's like the OG golfer on Whoop. He loved it. He convinced Rory to do it. And then they just started to trickle all these pro golfers. And once the Nick Watney thing happened, um the PGA then reached out. Will had been you know, we 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 collectively have been working with uh, the PGA to try and do something and and then the PGA said we got to work together on this. So um, you know, they procured the straps and now now we're moving forward.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. So what's, I guess, what are some of the other strategic partnerships I'd love to hear about? And then where do you see you guys self, you know, a year or two from now? And, and what other, what are the markets do you want to get into? The, the the cool thing about what you guys do is, you know, sometimes we get pigeonholed talking about specifically for just fitness, but you okay. can also talk a little bit about how many people can use it. You know, it doesn't mean you have to belong to a gym, even though no one is right now. Um, but just your average, just like someone uses a Fitbit, right? Like, you know, you yep. walk, that's exercise, Um, So some of the strategic partnerships and then we could kind of walk through, like, how does the average person use it?
0: Yeah. So the one that just became public is Strava. Uh, We just integrated with Strava. Uh, We do have a deal with the NFLPA we have for several years. Uh, We have a lot. I wish I could tell you more, but uh, we do (laughs) we do have a lot that you'll you'll hear about uh, in the coming uh, weeks and months that are very, very exciting and and high profile. I I do think that the piece of how does just anybody use this is really the point uh, of whoop and where we've shifted from a company of, you know, LeBron and Michael Phelps were two of the first people to try whoop to how do we just reach everybody? Um, Because, you know, we say sleep is the new steps um, and it's, it's just available, right? The ability to sleep is available. So, Looking at these lifestyle choices for longevity, so it, it, I, I would say that as people's people people get older, their goals change. So, you know, I'm 32. I'm still in a state of I can I want to keep pushing the bounds on some things. Do I want to do you know a 2K on the erg? Hell no, I'm over <laughs> that. That's that's a, that's, a, that's an old. I said you know that part of my life's done. Do I want to keep invo- like improving on my deadlifting, power clean, and some of this stuff um, while I'm still like probably in like a peak explosive period of my life? Yes. Um, as I get older, I'm sure it's going to go to like more maintenance, structural, and still some competitive stuff. Maybe then I move into triathlons again. Like whatever the case, like everyone, it, it shifts from performance to a bit more longevity, athletic longevity. So understanding how these day-to-day choices that you're making around alcohol how much, how hard is a commute on you? Um, You know, how how much intensity should you be taking on? Are you actually hydrating? Or have you had three cups of coffee before noon and not a glass of water? Um, All these little micro experiments you do on yourself um, are helping you find the best version of your yourself or what your goal is for that any given point in time. So if you want to run a marathon, if you want to run a mile, it doesn't matter what the end goal is. If you just want to be uh, or you want to have more energy to play with your kids. Um, what are these things that you can do? And there's biomarkers telling you whether or not you're doing it correctly or not.
1: Yeah, it's a great segue. My next question is, I'd love to know for you specifically, pre-COVID, right? So everyone's active. You know, I'm I'm doing HIIT training five days a week and you're doing, you know, all the stuff that you're doing. What have you noticed since you've been less active, right? Because it's it's frustrating for people like us. And everyone, you know, that we're all less active, I think, a little bit. But but specifically for people that work out a lot, what's it been like for you? What have you noticed with those biomarkers for you specifically being sort of cooped up for the last four or five months?
0: So my heart rate variability was definitely uh, stalled a little bit. Uh, And so was my sleep. So I was sleeping more, but I don't feel like the quality was as good. You know, there's just sort of this... Underlying stress of what's going to happen, and as this has just kind of become the reality, that piece has kind of shifted away. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to basically just have everything I would ever need uh, in this uh, where, where I live, uh, and I have access to a, a private place. So you're right in terms of we're less active, of like not I'm not like having to go to the office, and and all that extra time like actually really does add up. Um, I found that I'm like, it's, it's tougher to keep up the intensity. Like I can get like a week and change of like, this is great intensity. I feel awesome. And then the next week I'm like, Oh, what am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because it's hard when there's like not anything in sight. Right. Um, You know, the people you say, what do you train for? I'd say, I just want to be like a really fit person. And now it's like, as I get older, it's, I want to have like at least something to look forward to, yeah. even if it's just like competing in a group class, it could be as simple as that. And, um, I think community in general is so valuable and important. And even if you do go to a big box gym, you still see faces. You're still around people. If you go to F45, if you go to, you know, that's why Peloton's doing so well as well. You know, yeah. like there's this interactive component to fitness, uh, And right now we can't hang out with people that much. So that's what I, sometimes I just lose, like right now it's perfect that you ask this question. This, the previous week I thought was amazing. This week I, I would not train any day if I didn't force myself to. So like, uh, but my data is great, right? This is a perfect example. I have outstanding recovery this week. I don't want to do anything.
1: (laughs) That's hilarious. I, sometimes I feel like that too, um, but that's the point. I mean, you're able to you're able to quantify that and qualify that, you know, on many different levels. Which again comes back to what I love, what you guys do, and you you sort of hit upon it. For me in my career, I I kind of changed over from big box to obviously I work a lot with F forty five now in the boutique space. And you know, two things I always say about boutique, what they're doing well the last couple of years is one, it is community based, right? But two, it's technology, whether it's Orange Theory F 45 or whatever it is, we do a really good job of technology, which is why I love what you guys are doing, because listen, we can kick your butt and know all the measurables when you're in the studio. The problem is we need to do that when we're not at the studio and we need to figure out what you're doing at home. So can you walk us through your average person? You know, walk us through the 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 life cycle of of how you you buy the strap. What happens after that? What what does the average person do to sort of get up and running? And then we could kind of talk a little bit about what should they be looking out for? What kind of markers?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So you go on, you grab a strap, comes to you, unpack it, you download the app, you connect your strap, you know, you create your profile. So it's four days until four sleeps until you get your first colored recovery. It's about two weeks until your baseline is very, very accurate. So we've been talking about all these numbers we pull. It's not like I'm comparing my heart rate variability to yours. Well, your, your whoop data is just comparing your data versus yourself. Um, and that's, what's so important. It's not like this is the right heart rate variability because heart rate variability is largely genetic and is influenced by so many different factors. Uh, whereas, you know, resting heart rate is just more an indicator of aerobic capacity or fitness. So, um, that's where, you know, we have this sort of in-app education as you are going through this first month journey of understanding the basics of sleep and how to just navigate the app to here's how you can understand REM sleep, slowly sleep, here's how you get better sleep. Um, so we create a ton of content that we are always sharing uh, to one, better utilize the app, but also just educate yourself on the performative aspects of life. Uh, so after your first month, you get a monthly performance assessment where you actually see, uh, we didn't talk about this part. Every morning when you wake up, you can select from, you know, about a hundred different journal entries of, do I use CBD oil? Do I use melatonin? Do I share a bed? Did I sleep in the same bed? Uh, and if you answer these, then we tie that to your sleep data and can tell you, oh, you get 20% more REM sleep when you do, when you read a book you know, or you get 30% less slow wave when you drink alcohol within two hours of bed. So that's really the beginning. So you can't improve what you, what you don't measure. So keep, it keeps measuring. And then people kind of make these changes on their own. Uh, They see the data and it's like, I don't want to keep doing that. My dad always says that. It's like, I don't want to keep it it in the red Mike. Oh yeah. My parents (laughs) have been on for probably about a year and a half, so uh retired. And now they play a lot of golf in Florida. Uh But my dad used to just like be done around the golf and like <laughs> crack some wine <laughs> at like 1230. And I'm like, nine yeah, nine re- your recovery is like not very good. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I got to cut back. And the second he cuts, he's like, yeah, I cut back with drinking weed. I'm in the green all the time now. <laughs> yeah, of course, man. <laughs> just listen to the
1: song. What's the biggest one or two uh biggest eye openers for someone when they first go on it is it is it their sleep like are they realizing like well what's like the, the most common thing that you hear in terms of feedback
0: so sleep is i can't be, I didn't realize how much I'm awake at night yeah because you know being awake is part of the sleep cycle, but a lot of people don't realize that and i I do think it is the the drinking one. I didn't realize how much this affected me, um, and for, or for how long. Right? Sometimes it, you can, depending on how deep you go, uh, that could suppress your recovery for you know up to five days. So um, that's the kind of stuff where people learn. And this don't I don't want people to necessarily mistake me. For being like, don't drink. Uh, I have like red wine superpowers. Where if I have two <laughs> to three glasses of red wine, I have my heart rate variability goes through the roof. I have green recovery every time. So it's that's the, such a cool thing about whoop is uh, you know maybe if you have a bowl of cereal like after dinner and I have a bowl of cereal that messes me up and you feel like Superman. So it's playing with these little things and learning just about what's the best version for me, and then sometimes things change. And, you, you know, all of a sudden you have more energy, less energy.
1: Do you have a, a, a good story, uh, like in maybe an athlete you've worked with recently where, you know, you introduced them or her uh, to the technology uh, and sort of a snapshot of like what they were doing beforehand and, and how you're using the data sort of post being on Yeah,
0: I'm trying to think. I work with athletes a little less or now. Anyway, really.
1: It doesn't have to be an athlete. We always tend to talk about fitness and athletes, but... Um, or a group of people, really.
0: Yeah, I think some of the work that we've done in the past with collegiate teams yeah. where, you know, they were good, but then they work with us for a year. Uh, and then they go from being pretty good to people are almost available every single day, like 93% availability, which means they less missed less than one week during the entire year collectively and they've won, you know, multiple national championships. So it's the people that have, that really use the data, uh, not and, and put it into their values. Like this is how I'm going to live. It's not, I'm a slave to the whoop data. It's, I understand that this whoop data is an indication of what I'm doing to my body and how to perform. So, uh, you know, we've had really good success. Um, particularly with women's teams.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, what what's t- the typical user from the data that you've seen now, Just the last, you know, year or two has been, has been mostly athletes, mostly, you know, obviously you run the gamut of the whole spectrum, but what, what do you typically, what, what have you seen in the last year or two uh, in terms of users of Loop?
0: It's definitely expanded and what we, what, you know, uh, the internet might consider you is not necessarily how you self-identify. Yeah. So do I, am I, you know, do I run strategic partnerships at Whoop or am I a rower? Like (laughs) um, it's, it complete. how does that person identify? You know, I think people identify as multiple things, Um, but it's a lot of people that are high performing in multiple aspects. So whether they're career driven and, and very high achieving there, plus they also go like to mountain bike and do some crazy stuff that way. So it's a lot of, you know, best of both worlds kind of yeah. not necessarily want to burn it at every end, but it's people that like to get out and live life. Uh, so they just want to find out how hard they're pushing themselves and when they need to pull back so that they can keep doing the things they love doing. Yeah. So I it's mean, it's very broad. Uh,
1: the frustrating part in in the fitness industry is the CEOs the executives or the professional athletes in in my experience have been the hardest to talk about recovery rest and recovery these are the people right that they're always on the go you would think you're average person but it's really like you know i have several CEOs there's they're so driven me telling them this don't work out today <laughs> because you know your 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 biometrics are indicating that you shouldn't cuz you're overtrained that's the frustrating part so that's why it's really cool what you guys are doing. So, and again, I think it comes back to like, are you seeing that it's easier for you to tell those groups of people, those well-driven, whether it's an athlete or industry-driven career person, it's easier to, you know, take, take a pill here, take a chill, um, because this is what we're seeing via the, the stuff that you're looking at, the data?
0: Yeah, I think the more, the more stories we have, the more, yeah. and, and usually it's based on them. They have that that experience, like I said earlier. Everyone has an experience or two where it completely it, they're bought in. So uh, we just have to get them to that point, and it that's the eye opening part. So for some people, it's seeing a celeb or you know yeah. their favorite athlete talk about it or have success or you know any of that. For a lot of people, it's you know, what, how does this relate to me? That's really cool about Rory. Um, but how, you know, I don't golf. Yeah. So, I mean, I do golf, but you know, that, that people like to hear stories about people like themselves or just find out about themselves.
1: Yeah. So true. Um, so what's the plans the next year? Let's say, um, everything reopens. Let's imagine that at some point, <laughs> what are the big yeah. plans for whoop? What, what do you want to accomplish in the next year or two? Um, just as you think forward.
0: Well, we definitely want to help be part of the reopening strategy. We haven't really talked about COVID at all, um, but we've been doing extensive research um, with, you know, uh, CQU in, in Australia and a few other big medical partners. And you know, that stuff's going to start coming out soon. But uh, we've posted some stuff about respiratory rate and um, you know how looking at that within your woop data, which our respiratory rate is validated and accurate. Um, that maybe you should isolate doesn't mean you have COVID, but you know, if we can stop, if yeah, it could be. Uh, so if you can isolate and go get a test, maybe how many people does that stop from potentially being infected? So, uh, you know, I think we can all look at that. The U S is not in a great spot in terms of (laughs) getting COVID under control to put it lightly. Uh, so it seems like a, a little bit away. So, uh, we wanna we we definitely wanna be be helpful and you know at least giving people a little bit more peace of mind in terms of that data point that extra data point uh,
1: yeah i I think it's important because I still will talk about that. I think it's important give give everyone an, a, a really high level overview so it's really about breaths per minute when you're sleeping, right and we talk about a precursor. Yeah. give a general number so if you're sleeping and you're getting fourteen you know breaths per minute you know, and you wake up, you don't feel well, and you're, you look, and you're at 18 breaths per minute, right? Just talk through so people understand.
0: Yeah, so the thing that's even uh, more interesting is that a lot of times, uh, that respiratory rate jump will happen before you have symptoms. So, respiratory rate is a very static number. It shouldn't change a whole lot. You know, uh, most people's average range is, let's just say one respiration, let's say 14 to 15. and if all of a sudden you just see this spike, it could be multiple things. It could be um, maybe you just really had an awful, awful night of sleep. Maybe uh, the air quality is poor, or it could be potentially that it's a precursor that you should go get a COVID test because you may have it. Um, So when you see this jump in the respiratory rate, it is, you know, we would suggest that you should probably isolate and, and grab a test if you can.
1: That's awesome. Well, Mike, I mean, those are huge things you guys are working on. I'm so thankful uh, you came on because um, I, I think recovery is probably the most underutilized thing talked about in the fitness industry. Cause it's always go, 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 work out hard, work out hard. And I just want to thank you for coming on. We're, we're looking forward to maybe getting you back on um, going over my data uh, especially once oh, I we become, can We certainly do that. Yeah. I it's, love doing that part. That's that's the, the fun stuff. Um, you'll you'll rip me a new one. Um, but nah, yeah, thank no you. What's the best way for people to get in touch with Whoop? Is just go on the main website.
0: Yeah, uh, whoop.com. Uh, if you're looking to learn more, uh, our Instagram is a great yeah. uh, place is, to just kind of you know go through there. And then with on the website, if you go to the locker, which is uh, our blog, our content. Uh, you know, there's validation. There's things about some of the work we're doing, uh, all these different case studies. So there's a ton, a ton, ton of information on it and our podcast, honestly, uh, when you're trying to understand Whoop metrics, um, our VP of of analytics and our VP of performance doing an amazing job breaking it down.
1: What's the Instagram handle?
0: Uh, At Whoop. Pretty simple. W-H-O-O-P.
1: Mike, pleasure. Go Yankees. um, Whenever that happens and we'll (laughs) battle about that another day, but I want to thank you so much for coming on.